This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Big week, gentlemen. It is rematch week. Cardinals and Rams coming up on Sunday, which we will get into momentarily. But before that, perhaps, at least amongst the three of us, the big game on Friday. Brophy, Red Mountain, Kyle Vandenbosch, another playoff victory. We're just riding along here on Cardinals Red Sea Report, Kyle. Yeah, it was, it, I'll tell you what, that was one of the funnest games I've been on the sidelines for. Uh, we were down 17 zip. Kids kept believing. And then, as Wolfley says, Crazy Carl showed up, and uh, the ball started to bounce our way, and uh, they couldn't stop the. Once we got the momentum, it was tough to stop. Now wait a minute, you were Crazy Carl. You're the special teams coordinator. You called for what was it? A squib kick slash onside kick that you guys recovered? Yeah, it was a squib kick that accidentally hit a guy in the face, and we recovered it. So that's that was the Crazy <laughs> Carl part of it. Nice. Yeah. Who knew that Jeff Rogers had someone right now within the <clears throat> building that could. Give him a run for his money as special teams coordinator. So well done, Kyle Vandenbosch, again. That is on Friday. It is not the main topic, however, here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. We are talking about a 21-16 loss at the Houston Texans. Second start for Kyler Murray. First start on the road. And a game, Kyle, that you look at and you say, all right, the offense started great and then sputtered. The defense, not a great start, but then shut out the Texans in the second half, giving the offense a chance to get back into that ball game, didn't happen. Where does your mind go when you look back at what happened in the first half compared to the second half? Yeah, it's it's always tough to figure out why that happens throughout the course of a game. And this isn't new for the Cardinals this season. They've, they've done this um, throughout the season. They've played well uh, for spurts, both offensively and defensively. I mean, even I know we're going to get to the Rams later. Um, you know, they did a great job against the Rams the first time they played them. And then the Rams come out and run the ball nine times and just keep pounding it down the defense's throat. So, um, you know, there, there's two things. Um, one, um, you know, Kyler's still working his way back. The timing's not quite there. Footwork's not quite there. But um, it, I still see signs that are really encouraging with his play with his leadership with his uh, willingness to pull the ball down and fight for the extra yards and you know more than anything is leadership um, secondly uh, the, the defense um, you know they come up with really good game plans and, and when they struggle early they make really good adjustments you know I, I think the biggest thing that the defense did in the second half it was CJ Stroud and, and they talked about this on the TV um, he, he's great with these in breaking routes the intermediate to deep uh, balls that are coming across the middle. We could see it all through the first half, um, just connecting on those. And that's where they got two of their interceptions in the first half. They ended up, you know, really clouding some of those lanes in the middle of the field. And that, you know, in the second half, Houston struggled to move the ball because of that. Considering, Paul, where this game was trending at halftime, 21 to 10, you had not been able to stop the Texans at all. CJ Stroud and company were moving that football up and down the field. And then Kyler Murray, yeah, that first possession, 
48-yard touchdown to Rondell Moore. Things looking good, but then stalled after that. And then the script flipped in the second half. The defense pitched a shutout, and the offense unable to sustain drives, failing on fourth down three possessions to end the game. Yeah, It's always amazing how a game will change over the course of a game. I'm standing there on the sideline. There's Lecky Foto at a sack earlier in the game. He's out with a hand injury. Kaiser White out early in the game. Ends up being a season-ending bicep injury. Antonio Hamilton, by the end of the game, he had the interception, but the groin injury, he got carted off. So you're missing dudes at all three levels of the defense somehow they pitch a shutout in the second half 21 10 at halftime and Cardinals are probably lucky it wasn't worse as the Texans had 333 total yards it's just amazing the ebb and flow and then just as amazing to me were some of the throws that Kyler missed as beautiful as that 48 yarder was to start the game the fourth play of the game right on the money hitting the post Rondell Moore with the mega deep shot you're thinking at that point, all right, Kyler is dialed in. And then on key fourth downs, you know, he had some misses. The Trey McBride in particular, you just don't see those very often. So it is amazing. Whenever you kick off a football in an NFL game, you never exactly know what to expect. And the Cardinals were on the good and bad end of both of those. You always like to say little things become big things. Well, on Sunday, it was the details that head coach Jonathan Gannon pointed to. You know, it just comes down to the details and making some plays. You know, that's why I just told the team they, they made a couple more plays than we did. But that's all phases of the game, not just third down. But, you know, I felt like we just kind of dug ourselves a little bit of a hole there in the first half, down 11 versus a good football team. And we got back in it and kept fighting. But, you know, we just didn't get it done. And they did come back with that one-yard touchdown run by Kyler Murray on fourth and goal. Went for two, did not get it, but pulled to within five with 2.52 left to go in the third quarter. And Kyler Murray, Kyle, 214 passing yards, 51 rushing yards. The numbers look good, but it was not quite good enough for the Cardinals, especially how much they had that chance to come back in that game and really a missed opportunity given what the defense was able to do. Yeah, that's the hard part. Is I, I feel like in those situations, we've just come to expect Kyler to do some magical things and bring the team back. I mean, all through that fourth quarter, it just felt like it was a matter of time before they punched the ball in the end zone and regained the lead, um, and, and it just didn't happen. Now, you know, I, look, you know, there's a lot being made of, of some of Kyler's missed throws, um, and, and they were there, um, but there was only a few of them. There was also some great throws. I mean, Paulie already talked about the long 48-yard touchdown pass to Rondell Moore. Um, there was a ball to Greg Dortch in between four defenders. I mean, he had four defenders within five yards, and he s slipped it in there on the sideline. Um, there were some other really good throws that he made that very few quarterbacks could made, one in particular rolling out to his left, and he went sidearm to a player coming back across the middle. So, um, you know, again, you can see how special this offense can be. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of Drew Petsing still figure out what Kyler does best. Kyler still working himself back into – um, you know, playing shape, playing, um, you know, so the game slows down. It still looks like sometimes it's a little bit fast for him. But even, you know, his touchdown run, um, you know, that's a special play. He had guys at his feet. It should have been a tackle for a loss uh, from the beginning, and he willed himself to get into the end zone. So, um, you know, he's, you know, I'm excited about where this offense is going. It's just not quite there yet, uh, but they'll get it. Cardinals 3 of 10 on third down. I thought Matt Burke, the former Cardinals D-line coach and defensive coordinator, did a good job in concert with D'Amico Ryans. It's D'Amico Ryans' scheme, and he knows Kyler really well from their days together in the division. So in key moments, third and fourth downs, 
they lit him up. They heated him up. They tried to speed up the decision-making process in Kyler's second game in 11 months. I, I think it showed. But at the same time, guess what? They got home. That Texans pass rush got home. I thought for the third straight week, the Cardinals' pass protection wasn't exactly where it was earlier in the year. And so all that told, it wasn't entirely on Kyler. But when he's got dudes in his face almost instantly, credit to the Texans, then yeah, that makes a difference. Speaking of Kyler Murray, let's hear from QB1 on what did and did not happen on Sunday. Wasn't enough good. Yeah, we made some plays, but just... uh... Like I said, I just felt like, you know, the defense, you know, they did what they needed to do and we didn't hold up our end of the bar, you know, on our side. So that was uh, frustrating. You know, I feel like had too many opportunities not to win that game. I mean, Kyler Murray really wore that loss. I was in that press conference room in, in Houston. That was after about 30 to 40 minutes where Kyler was in the locker room. Much of that time spent just staring into his locker, talking to his quarterback's coach, Israel Wolfork. So yeah, it hit hard. It really was. And, um, you know, Kyler went into that uh, press conference room and he took the bulk of the blame, the responsibility, the culpability. And, you know, I think that's a sign of his evolution as a franchise quarterback and a leader. Here's more of what Murray had to say post game quote, the defense did what they needed to do. We didn't hold up our end of the bargain. And, Kyle, that is something you want to hear from a quarterback, your franchise quarterback. I don't know if we've heard it enough previously in previous seasons from K-1, but you could tell just if you didn't see it, you could hear it in Kyler's voice on how disappointed he was more in himself in not leading the offense back into the game. Yeah, it's it's just another sign of his growth, um, him embracing his leadership role. Now, let me say this. Now, I, I think – you know, we were all spoiled with his first game back and, and some of the things he did in that game and, and the way he played. But w- one thing I can promise you, and, and I've been in this situation coming back from an ACL injury, he has never been as sore as he was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. You know, playing a full game, your first full game back, just being thrown into the mix when everybody else, it takes your body time to get conditioned for an NFL game. And it's not even just training camp. Um, you know, players aren't necessarily ready for the rigors and the and the 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 trauma that it causes your body until like game three or four. There's a point you hit in the season where you play yourself into shape and you're not as sore. It doesn't feel quite as bad on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But having it be his first game back, the amount of times he ran with the ball, um, it, you know, I think you know he's finding it's. It, we all expected a linear progression. Kyler was great his first game back. It's going to be even better his second game. Um, for me personally, I expected a little bit of a drop uh, in his performance just because of what he came back from, what he's dealing with, the residual pain, the extra soreness on that knee. So, um, you know, not to say that it's a new injury that he's fighting through. It's just a process, and it's going to take time. And it may come, you know, in the next couple of weeks where, um, you know, he doesn't feel quite as bad on a Monday and Tuesday. See, KVB's been there and done that. Garrett Williams, after his debut, we had him on the Big Red Rage that Thursday night after his debut against Seattle. He said he's never been as sore as that Monday after his first game in a year coming back from the knee injury he suffered his final year at Syracuse. Both the knee and just overall, just playing football again, full speed, full contact football for the first time in a year. And he said, just like Kyle just said, it was the most sore he's ever been. And maybe even more sore because of what the offense was unable to do, and that is score points off of three defensive takeaways, three interceptions when C.J. Stroud had only 
been picked off twice in nine games coming into Sunday's contest. And then, Kyle, there were the decisions made in the second half going forward on fourth down. We touched on the one successful fourth down conversion. That was the Kyler Murray touchdown run. But then three times in the second half going forward on fourth down. And there's been a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about those decisions. But I think at this day and age, more times than not, coaches in 2023 – are going to go for it based on what the numbers tell them. And I know Gannon did talk about it on Monday. There is some gut feel as well. But in that game on Sunday, at least to me, you needed touchdowns. Field goals weren't going to beat you. And you didn't know what the Cardinals' defense was going to do and stopping and shutting down the Texans. No, I I think you're right. Um, It's tough to say when you're not the one making those decisions. Um, but saying that, you, you know, if you can get that game to, you know, two points, you've got one of the best kickers in the league. Uh, you get the ball across midfield with an opportunity to take the lead late in the game. He's going to make that field goal. So um, he's he's a true weapon, and you hate to see them not use him, um, Matt Prater, in those situations because he is clutch. He's made, you know, so many long 50-, 60-yard field goals that um, you know that all you got to do is get it across midfield and you've got a shot. So – um, and, and, you know, one other thing, and I realize most of these are without Kyler Murray at quarterback, but the team is 6 of 22 on fourth downs throughout the season. So just because the sheet says you get this situation, you need to go for it, you also need to look at your success and how things have gone in the past and, and what your team is capable of. So, um, you know, I'm not here to criticize the decisions. Um, I actually love, as a coach, I'm ultra-conservative. But I love seeing coaches that are aggressive and go for the jugular and take advantage of opportunities because when you make those key clutch fourth downs and you're able to convert, it really does give your team a lot of momentum. It gets the sidelines more engaged and gives you more confidence going forward. It's just unfortunate that they weren't able to execute in those situations. The most questionable decision was in which we're talking about here is fourth and three at the Houston 23. The pass complete to Greg Dortch, but he is short of the first down. Would have been a 40 or 41-yard field goal. You elect to go forward and you come up short. Now, the discussion also perhaps maybe a little bit hit home for the head coach as he joked about it on Monday. Literally. They were, they were up last, yesterday because I don't think they had school, but, uh, God, go to bed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the kid's dead. Just kick three field goals and you win. Like, I got it. I got it. But uh, Rocco, I know. Could you imagine that? Lola says, Dad, you need a new strategy. I got it. Again, all in jest, it was a joke, yet the head coach, you make those decisions, you have to live with the results, and the results were not good on Sunday. Now, I'm not counting the final fourth down because he had to go for it in that situation, but I will go back to the two-point conversion that wasn't, that would have made it 21-18. At that point, it's late third quarter, are you thinking you're going to truly shut out C.J. Stroud the rest of the way? I get it to be ultra-aggressive, but to Kyle's point, you also have to gauge how is your offense firing. Dave Bash told a funny story. He's calling a college football game on ESPN, and he's saying, all right, they're going to go for the field goal here. And simultaneously, this analytic graphic popped up that said, go for it. So it's all analytics these days, and the numbers will dictate in a lot of ways. Although Jonathan Gannon has said repeatedly, it's both the numbers and his gut feel as a head coach. Post game, quote, we were trying to win a game, end quote. Arizona Cardinals single-game tickets on sale right now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Murray out of shotgun. 
takes the snap, back to throw, looking over the middle. Now launches it deep, middle of the field, into the end zone, and an over-the-shoulder catch by Rondale Moore for a touchdown. What a gorgeous throw by Kyler Murray, a 48-yard strike to Rondale Moore. The mighty Kyler Murray once again out of 12 personnel. The ball came down out of nowhere, right into the arms of Rondale Moore. Incredible. Snap to Murray. He's going to keep it running right. In trouble at the 10. Cuts right to the 5. Sticks the ball out into the end zone for the touchdown. I have no idea how Kyler Murray just did that. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Those little quick feet. Oh my goodness, the 4-3 was unleashed, getting the edge. Oh, chop those feet up, Kyler Murray. Two plays on Sunday that showcase the unique skill sets of Kyler Murray. The deep ball, 48 yards, in which, according to Next Gen Stats, 53 and a third yards of air distance on that throw. And then the one-yard touchdown run on fourth and goal, which Murray backpedals all the way close to the 10-yard line in order to just get that one yard and score the touchdown to make it 21-16 with 2.52 to go in the third quarter. Unfortunately, that would be your final score as the Cardinals lose in Houston 21-16. to As we say welcome back, it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. And you look at what Kyler was able to do in that game, Kyle, as far as with his arms, with his legs, and not great, at least compared to his first game. But let's not forget, this is week two for Kyler where everyone else is into week 11. Yeah, again, there was some really, really good things. I mean, including that deep ball. I mean, he didn't put that thing on a rope. That ball was thrown high in the perfect spot uh, so that Rondell Moore could run underneath it. I mean, to have that type of touch on the deep ball, I mean, we've seen it from Kyler. We've seen it over and over in the past, um, but that's what this offense has been missing, you know, that deep shot. And, you know, the thing you're seeing, too, is now that we're able to stretch the field, we're taking some deep shots, people are worried about Kyler Murray's arm. Um, you know, it's opening up some more things for James Conner. James Conner had, I can't tell you how many 10-yard runs in this game um, that he, I, you know, in my opinion, they should have just kept feeding him because uh, James Conner's doing some special things throughout the ball game too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's so good to see, um, you know, there is no hesitation um, in Kyler Murray's game when it comes to running the ball. He is not afraid to plant. He's not afraid to run. Um, took a couple of big shots that I don't even know that we saw him take. Sometimes he goes almost an entire season without taking big shots, but he um, he, he looks more determined, actually, when he runs the ball uh, fighting for yards. So, um, again, you know, I there was there – was, everybody wants to focus on some of the throws that didn't com- come out of his hand right, that the timing was off, that he didn't quite uh, put enough on them. Um, but the good things he did shows what this offense is capable of with when Kyler Murray can do the things he can do with both his arm and his legs. He's certainly not going out of bounds. I mean, <laughs> he is running as aggressively in upfield as we've ever seen him. In fact, I asked Jonathan Gannon on his weekly TV show this week you know, about that, if that's part of the coaching instruction, and he said no. No, we want him to protect himself as much as possible. I just think it illustrates Kyler's determination right now to show something to that locker room, to show something to this new coaching staff. 
the before and after in this game, as elated as he was after that 48-yard strike, I don't think I've ever seen him that fired up. I mean, not even after the the Vegas and the Raiders game last year, I, you know, probably because he was so exhausted after running 80 yards and, and getting into the uh, end zone. But then to compare and contrast that with how crestfallen he was at the end of the game where he's in the locker room and he's in full uniform 30 minutes after the game, you know, he, he took it hard. So, I mean, he is fully vested. For anyone who thinks maybe he's going through the motions, he's too cool for school, absolutely not. I think – this means more to him than ever, especially after he missed the game for almost a complete year. I think he has a renewed appreciation for what he lost. Murray's numbers on Sunday, 20-30 uh, for 214 yards through the air, a touchdown, an interception. He ran the ball seven times for 51 yards and a touchdown. Again, this is just game two. Kyler Murray, postgame. Sure this one's going to sting uh, watching it just because there were a lot of plays to be made and a lot of things that we probably wish we would have done differently. Uh, I know I, I know there's going to be for me, but um, now the standard's the standard. It's just it's it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Uh, the defense gave you know I know for sure they gave us enough opportunities to go win the game, and we didn't make it happen. Again, you can hear the frustration in his voice. In fact, he used the word frustrating seven times in his six-minute post-game interview with reporters in Houston. And then Paul, you touched on it as far as his reaction. In the locker room, in the just standing there, I should say, sitting there facing his locker in full uniform for 20, 30 minutes before he did address reporters. Head coach Jonathan Gannon asked about that as far as if Kyler Murray is too critical of himself. There's some plays in that game that he made that reason why we're in the game. And then there's some plays that he's he's very critical of himself. Uh, he takes the arrow in the forehead. He's wearing me out on the plane at night driving home this morning. Uh, I'm sure he wants to play today. But understanding that it's not about one guy, it never is. But what I've learned is he's ultra competitive and he wants to do everything that he can to help our team win. And I appreciate that. And I think the word that you both have used, and that is determined. And that's something that I don't know if we would have used in the previous four years. Yeah, I mean, look, it's almost the opposite of what I expected in his return in that I figured the run game would be slow to come and materialize and develop and you're not going to see the 4-3 right out of the gate no we've seen him he looks ridiculous running the ball he still looks like arguably the best athlete on the field but when he misses throws to not only Trey McBride but the Elijah Higgins who was wide open and that should have been a completion he missed Hollywood Brown deep for the second game should have been two touchdowns I think in his mind that's why he's wearing it that's why he's owning it. That's why he's dejected. Those are throws that, in his mind, should be automatic. Throws that he's been he's made in the past. Now, after the game, part of that press conference, he put it on himself. He, he cited his footwork. You know, needs some work. That's part of this new scheme. There is new footwork involved. Uh, so we'll see. On the other hand, you know, I asked Jonathan Gannon about how things were became more challenging downfield pass game over the course of the game. He cited the shell cover schemes that the Texans use that in the past have given Kyler issues when we talked to the last couple of years about adjust to the adjustment usually it's the too high shell look that they get and okay what are you going to do about it and I think that's still something that Kyler in his mind needs to prove the footwork 
topic of conversation is something I think is going to take a little bit time because they are asking not just Kyler but all their quarterbacks to do something that they're not used to doing and that is left foot forward. It doesn't sound like a big deal Kyle but when you talk about or you talk to an offensive lineman and making the switch from the left to the right try writing with your offhand or doing something with your other hand it becomes much more difficult and I think we're seeing a little bit in game two where first game you're at home you're amped you're ready to go second game on the road different environment and maybe some of those bad habits do creep into your mind when things aren't going well yeah I think there's two things we've seen this from him in the past um you know, the, the first thing is is he can make some incredible throws outside the pocket, on the run, feet off the ground, off the back foot. I mean, just because of his arm talent. I think sometimes his arm talent is so good that he doesn't have great footwork when he's in the pocket, when he's not under pressure. I know Rich Gannon commented on that um, after the game, that even when he's not under pressure – he, he's got happy feet and he's not really driving and stepping into his throws. And that can, you know, when you're off schedule, that's fine. But when you have time, you want to use your body. Secondly, um, you know, everybody expected, again, to Paulie's point, that he wasn't going to be running the ball. He was going to be hesitant to pull it down. And, and that's far from the case. I think it's much harder um, you know, because driving off that back leg and the torque you put, because the quarterback doesn't just use his arm, he uses his entire body to throw. And that puts a lot of pressure on the repaired knee, the torque to really step and deliver a ball and with his velocity that he does. And, you know, it, I, I liken it to a golfer like, you know, Tiger Woods had a knee surgery. It really affected his game because of the rotation on that knee. And it's the same thing with the quarterback. So, um, you know, I think those things are going to come again. You know, every game is going to get a little bit better. Um, you know, he's he's again, you know, doing things in, in a different offense, being asked to do different things. But it's one thing that we've heard from this staff. We've heard it from um, his quarterback's coach. We've heard it from Drew Petzing. You know, they're big on footwork. They're going to work on it in practice. They're going to get it down. And, and I think, you know, once he gets that and he's comfortable with his footwork in the pocket and really able to drive those throws, I think you're going to see a lot more accuracy uh, going forward. Right now, Kyler Murray is completing just under 63% of his passes. He has to wait five days before he can get back on that football field Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. And it's why, as you heard earlier, Jonathan Gannon saying, yeah, Murray will call him and bug him about trying to get better immediately as opposed to waiting until the next day. Gannon expounded on that Excuse me, as Murray calls him on his way home from the airport. I'm glad I have what's it called... Uh... I don't have to put the phone in my ear anymore. Uh, Bluetooth, yeah, Bluetooth. And then I couldn't get my gate open, so I'm like, eh, you know, I got to go. But, uh, yeah, he, he well, he watches the tape with his, and then he watches it with Drew, and then he comes back to me, and then he wants to talk about it more. I mean, he's he's got fire in his gut, you know what I mean, and that's cool. And, again, keep in mind that also on Sunday, Paul, you did not have Michael Wilson. You did not have Zach Paschal. You did have Greg Dortch, who had season best as far as receptions and receiving yards on Sunday. But a different kind of looking offense. And James Conner didn't run the ball nearly as much as perhaps he should have. 14 carries, and that's basically what he has averaged this season when maybe there are some games in which you push that to – 19 or even 20 carries a game and you only saw Kyler under center five times compared to nine times in the first game and, and I don't really don't care I mean honestly I just want to see James Conner downhill in some form or fashion James Conner downhill more please 
he's so effective when he's coming with a full head of steam. So whether it's out of the pistol, whether it's under center, doesn't matter to me. All I know is I see dudes turning down James Conner. And, and to Kyle's point earlier, it was feast or famine. He either seemingly had a whole bunch of 11-yard runs or he had nothing. And I just want to know how much that syncs up with the manner in which he's getting the handoff and, and whether he is truly coming downhill when they give him the ball. Yeah, I, I tell you the thing I love hearing there is, A, the relationship he has with Jonathan Gannon. He's calling him. He's meeting with him. Um, you know, he's putting so much on his shoulders, and Jonathan Gannon's job, and he seems to be doing a great job of it, is it's not all you. You know, you are a big part of this, but, it, you know, you don't hear Kyler making excuses. You don't hear him talking about missing receivers. You don't hear him talking about his knee. You don't hear him talking about a lot of pressure that he faced. You don't hear him talking about, you know, they – the struggles with clock management. He is taking responsibility. Now it's Jonathan Gannon's job to relay, hey, you're part of it. We're all in this together. It's going to take the whole team. Want to hear more from the head coach? Cardinals game plan on Friday, 6.30 on 12 News. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Stroud takes the snap, play action pass, setting up, throws middle of the end zone, intercepted by Jalen Thompson. Jalen Thompson makes a play. He was in front of Collins on that pass by Stroud, just the third pick thrown by Stroud and a huge takeaway for the defense. Three-step drop for Stroud from the pocket. Pass over the middle, picked off. It's intercepted by Barnes at the 10, running it back to the left of the 20 at the 30. Barnes turning on the Jets to the 40 and finally tackled at midfield. The deflected pass into Chris Barnes and then, man, Chris Barnes looking like he's running a 4-4. Stroud takes the shotgun snap. Drop straight back, fires far aside, picked off at the 18-yard line by Antonio Hamilton. He jumped the route, jumped in front of the wide receiver. And C.J. Stroud has thrown more picks today than he had through the first nine games of the season. And two of those interceptions coming in the red zone. Cardinals with three takeaways on Sunday could not take away a win as they lose 21-16 at the Texans. As we welcome you to the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch looking back at Sunday's game now with an eye on the defense and just the difference Kind of touched on it at the start of the show, Kyle, but from the first half to the second half, 333 total yards in the first half. Texans ran 18 more plays, averaged almost eight yards a play through the first two quarters. Different story in quarters three and four, just 86 total yards in the second half, 3.4 yards per play. Yeah, it was impressive. Whatever adjustments were made at halftime, um, whatever was said to the players, um, the defense came out and got the job done. I mean, they really did a great job against an offense that looked um, at times unstoppable in the first half. Um, you know, and and you know, to me, um, it was it was so impressive the the adjustments. It's something we've talked about with this team in the past. Um, the inability to make halftime adjustments. Well, Nick Rollis has done a fantastic job of doing that. Um, and, you know, to me, one of the bigger stories is, um, you know, the number of players that make big plays, make stops, do their job. And that's, that's a large part of it is, you know, even on the defensive line, I mean, before Lecky Foto went out, he was having one of his best games in recent memory. Um, Roy Lopez had a good game, Dante Stills, Phil Hoskins, who was pulled up off the practice squad. Um, you know, you're just seeing that contribution from whoever is on the field, they're getting the job done. And 
um, to me, that's a huge credit to the coaching staff because it is, um, you know, I remember having, uh, being on a defensive line where we went through a rash of injuries and we're bringing guys in every single week. And the D, my D-line coach was like, man, this is so hard. Like, I have to get this guy up to speed, get him ready to play in three days. Um, but this staff gets it done. Um, guys that aren't your regular guys that are fill-in guys that are being called to duty, sometimes called to duty because of injuries throughout the game. I mean, you look at a, key, a player like Chris Barnes who's thrown into duty and makes a huge play, gives his team an opportunity to win the game late. Um, and, you know, again, that's all on the coaching staff. Another injury as far as Kaiser White lost for the season, oh. so you're going to have to dip into those reserves even more. I mean, he basically played every snap of the year. He's wearing the green dot. He's the quarterback of the defense. He goes down early. So at that point, you're wondering, man, are they ever going to recover? C.J. Stroud out to a ridiculous start to the game. His passer rating was a buck twenty at halftime, and yet somehow the Cardinals persevere. It was remarkable. In the second quarter, I started to see Jonathan Gannon go over to the bench and talk to the corners and the DBs in particular. Remember, that's his area of expertise from all his days as an assistant coach. And it did get better. You saw the Jalen Thompson interception deep middle towards the uh, you know mid to late second quarter. And then the head coach was smoking mad about the 40-yard touchdown strike right before halftime. In fact, set it coming off the field. We can't let the ball get thrown over our head. And then what was remarkable was, to me, was the very start of the second half and Jalen Thompson with almost a knockout blow on C.J. Stroud, right? Big hit, big sack. And then C.J. Stroud leaves for a play, comes back. It's third and 17, and he hits Tank Dell for 18 yards. That was right at us on the sideline. The anticipation to throw that ball deep out where Tank Dell hadn't even made his – hadn't even broken yet towards the sideline, remarkable for a rookie. I, I can tell you, C.J. Stroud got the respect of every player on that Cardinals sideline. Fortunately for the Cardinals, a missed field goal by Matt Amendola on that drive to maintain the 11-point deficit for the Cardinals. The difference between the first half and the second half, well, here's linebacker Josh Woods on that topic. I think we just settled in. Uh, we challenged each other in the locker room. Uh, and just said that, you know, it's not on one person, one position group. Like, everybody just has to step their game up and play better. And everybody rose to that challenge. Certainly did with an interception in the second quarter, two more interceptions in the fourth quarter. But again, the offense unable to take advantage of those takeaways. No points off the three turnovers. But the defense did keep putting the offense in position to make plays. Head coach Jonathan Gannon. Nick called it a little bit different, and then we executed a little bit better. And, you know, again, the three takeaways, that's why we got back into the game. You know, I, I know gave us a chance to get back in the game and, and win the game. But, you know, spotting them the 21 points there in the first half, I didn't think the execution and the calling of it, all of us together, we got to do a better job and not, you know, give up 21 points and a half. Josh Woods was asked about that on Monday, Kyle, about, the adjustments and yeah you want to start fast as a defense but sometimes you have a plan and you kind of feel things out in those first initial drives and then make the adjustment you know, can't afford to wait until the second half maybe you start doing that before you get to the locker room but now can you maintain what we saw in the second half and do that on the onset of a game as opposed to kind of waiting to kind of figure out what the opposing team is doing yeah, they have, and uh, they can, I'm sorry, and they have. I mean, I uh, there's been several games this year where the defense comes out and executes really well, and, you know, I've been really impressed with how the defense plays early and uh, the, the game plan coming in. But, um, again, to your point, um, in, you know, sometimes, and I've talked about this before, 
um, you, you know, players and coaches, you spend an entire week preparing one way, uh, focusing on, you know, a few key things, and then they come out and do something completely different. And if you cannot adjust immediately, like you said, on the sidelines, not even a halftime adjustment, you know, you get the tablet, you get your group together, you talk about the adjustments you're going to make, and you need to go out there and execute. And sometimes you got to execute something you've never practiced before. And that's what makes you a true professional. That's what makes you a good coach is when you recognize, um, here's what they're trying to take advantage of. Here's how we're going to um, go out there and, and handle it. And um, you know, I've seen that at times, and, and it definitely showed in this game taking away what Houston likes to do and make them do something else, and they seem to have a hard time adapting in the second half. And then you got to adjust to when you do suffer an injury, like Kaiser White being lost not only for the game, although we did find out that he played a handful of snaps even after tearing that bicep, so he was playing with one arm. But we did see more of Josh Woods. We saw more of Chris Barnes. Head coach Jonathan Gannon on those two stepping up with Kaiser out. Feeling really good about Chris. I mean, he came in there. I mean, he started games for us. He's played well. Extremely smart guy. Can play multiple positions. You know how we kind of move those guys around. But I thought Josh took over the green dot, and then Chris came in, and and both of them played winning football. Um, so. We'll figure out who we got available this week, put together a plan, and go to work. And also have to figure out what you have on the defensive line as well, Paul, because Jonathan Ledbetter did not play on Sunday. You lose Lecky Fotu to a hand injury. Is he available this week or not? That's a position group along with several other position groups, but as far as LJ Collier. Carlos Watkins dealing with bicep injuries that are likely season-ending and now trying to figure out who else do you have or do you have to poach someone off another team's practice squad? I mean, you know, it was a, the weekend was a whirlwind. So when the game starts, I'm looking on the bench. I'm like, wait a minute, 79? Who's wearing Josh Jones' old jersey? I mean, is it Haskins or Hoskins? Phil, what is it? Yeah, I mean, it was, we were trying to figure that out on the fly there, uh, but it just speaks the depth issues, right? And so far, I mean, Adante Stills, the way he has come through, Roy Lopez, the former Houston Texan, he was a little bit amped up for that game, by the way, because he had spent training camp in Houston, and he didn't make the final 53, so he had a little extra extra uh, in the trenches, and he had a really good game. But to think of all the names you just listed who have been lost so far this year in that D-line room, and you know, already, you know, you didn't exactly have a lot of name players, you know, compared to some other teams. Like, look at who the Niners and the Eagles have in their D line room. So, I think when you go into the draft in April, I would not be shocked if your two first round picks, corner and D line. Dante Stills a sack on Sunday. He's got three and a half on the season, making the most of his opportunities as a defensive player with so many guys ahead of him on that depth chart getting hurt for one reason or another. Arizona Cardinals single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets. That's azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Got a game, a home game on Sunday. The Rams in town. We'll touch on that next as we continue. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. All right, so let's start Wolf as Morgan Freeman. Pitter patter. Tracy Morgan. Pitter patter. Bill Walton. Those quick little feet. Oh my goodness, the Ford 3 was unleashed. Robert De Niro. Edge. And somehow breaking the plane and getting in. Oh. Al Pacino. Chop those feet up, little Kyler Murray. Chop them up. <laughs> this is actually a good Morgan Freeman. Pitter patter. Pitter patter. <laughs> those quick little feet. 
Oh my goodness, the 4-3 was unleashed, getting the edge. And somehow, breaking the plane and getting it in. Oh, chop those feet up, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray climbed through 500 yards of the filthiest slop I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. <laughs> the unmistakable voice of Frank Caliendo doing several voices as he takes a day pass Ron Wolfley play call from earlier. In fact, we heard it earlier on the show, the one-yard touchdown run, and then Frank puts his own spin on it. That was part of episode 69 of the Day Patch Podcast, which is available as we speak, featuring comedian Frank Caliendo, his third time on the Day Patch Podcast. And, Paulie, I can listen to that all day long. Oh, man. Every time he joins Dave, right? And it's, I mean, it's a great get by Dave, and it's just hilarity. But you also get insight from Frank on, on a lot of the voices, and you actually hear Frank. And you get, you know, okay, where does this all come from? How does he develop all these voices? But the ability to do that, to call an audible instantly as Dave is yelling at him, right? And to check into a different play and a different voice, uh, just remarkable. The pitter-patter of feet. Yeah, that is, that is great. We will uh, now make that smooth transition. Maybe we can come up with some different calls for Frank later on and maybe some win winning calls as the Cardinals will now host the Rams coming up on Sunday. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. It is a rematch. These two teams met back in Los Angeles in week six. The Cardinals losing that game 26-9. We remember it well, Kyle, because that was a game in which the script flipped on the Cardinals. It was 9-6 in favor of Arizona. And then what happened in the second half? All well, the Rams ran all over the Cardinals with 174 rushing yards with Kyron Williams accounting for 158 yards on the ground. And oh, by the way, after missing the past four games with an ankle injury, Kyron Williams designated to return and potentially available for the Rams this week. Yeah, that's a big for them. You know, Sean McVay has talked in recent weeks about how much they miss Kyron Williams. I mean, Royce Freeman has been their feature back recently, um, done a good job, but Kyron Williams um, basically had his coming out party against the Cardinals, had a huge game before he got hurt. Um, so that'll be a challenge for this team. You know, he, he won't catch the Cardinals by surprise this time. Um, you know, the Rams got some momentum. They're able to hang on for a close win against a, against a tough Seattle defense. Um, but, it, you know, this is a winnable game. Um, there's all – there's uh, – Cooper Cup is banged up. Um, I don't know if Kyron Williams is going to be full speed. Uh, Matthew Stafford continues to take big hit after big hit. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, you know, the Cardinals, if they can execute better, more consistently throughout the course of this game, they'll have a real opportunity to win it. So the Rams, uh, when they started the game, nine of the first 10 plays, pass. Second half, they came out, nine of the first 10 plays, runs. So they completely flipped the script. And if you remember after the game, Jonathan Gannon said, when they punch us, we have to punch back a little bit more. It's maybe the only time this year where he has cited intensity, urgency, effort, and so I'm curious to see how the Cardinals react because they definitely didn't have a good taste in their mouth after 174 yards rushing by the Rams in that second half. Rams come in with a record of 4-6. and six. They rallied from a 13-point deficit to beat the Seahawks a week ago. In fact, swept that season series over Seattle, only doing so because the Seahawks missed a field goal late in that game. 
The Rams, though, have, you mentioned it, Kyle, Kyron Williams potentially returning. And, yeah, they do still have number 99. Aaron Donald leads the team in both sacks and tackles for loss, and he has always been an issue for the Cardinals, especially Kyler Murray. Yeah, and his numbers don't jump off the stat sheet this year with five and a half sacks coming into this game. Um, but it will be interesting because Paulie brought this up earlier is the number of times Kyler was under center has gone down. Um, when you put a quarterback under center, uh, when you have Aaron Donald over lined up over a guard, um, he's in immediate duress. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep uh, Kyler in shotgun throughout this game so he has some time to set up, survey the field, and work the ball down the field. And oh, by the way, he knocked Geno Smith out of the game last Sunday. Uh, now Geno returned. But he came barnstorming right up the middle, right up the gut, and he took down Geno Smith, who was in mid-throw, and he injured his arm for a while. And uh, he's been doubtful, I think, ever since. So, yeah, 99 when he turns it on is still one of the biggest forces in the league. Rams have won 12 of the past four meetings against the Cardinals, and they split the season series a year ago. Cardinals looking to force that issue again when they meet on Sunday, 205 at State Farm Stadium. It is a Rams team, though, that I do think is able to be beatable, as you mentioned earlier, Kyle, just because Matthew Stafford, his completion percentage – Less than 60%. It's his worst mark since 2013. He doesn't look all the way healthy. He did have a thumb issue that forced him to miss last week's game. Is that now all the way back to being 100%? Yeah, they're dealing with injuries as well. Guys in and out of the lineup. And, you know, like I said, Cooper Cup left the game last week, didn't come back. There was some indication that he might come back, so he might be able to go this week. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's you still got to account for him. Puka Nakua continues to make plays, so they do have playmakers. Show of hands. Who's sick and tired of Sean McVay? He's won 12 out of 14 against the Cardinals against four different head coaches and a playoff game. My hand is way up in the air. Also, we here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report just sick of Red Mountain eliminating Brophy in the playoffs. So oh, best sorry. of luck to Kyle Vandenbosch, special teams coordinator on Friday. Get a win on Friday and then come back on Sunday for the Cardinals to beat the Rams in Week 12. Sound good? Thank you. That sounds great. Special thanks to everyone behind the scenes. Our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. Our associate producer, Cody Fincher. Technical director, Jackson Zuber. For Kyle Vandenbosch, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time, talking hopefully about a Cardinals win over the Rams. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.